and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. My name is Jamie Arbib. Uh, I spend part of my time uh, working as an investor, uh, but most of my time is spent uh, at a think tank called Rethink X that I founded a few years ago. Could you tell us a little bit more about Rethink X and the thinking behind it? It sounds like an extraordinary venture and a very new and different and interesting way of looking at the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I set Rethink up rethink x up with um with tony sieber who's a um uh, a silicon valley technologist he, he's uh, taught technology disruption at stanford for for a number of years uh, and the two of us met um about four or five years ago when we were both invited to brief uh, a u.s military think tank uh, about um about energy about uh, they were they were looking at a scenario of a fast energy transition and really asking the question you know what would it mean for geopolitics if we got off fossil fuels very quickly uh, and and Tony and I were kind of the two outsiders there everyone else was was part of a kind of large oil company or, or utility or you know from government departments or, or big NGOs uh, and 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 all of the other experts there had had these kind of um, linear forecast for the adoption of solar or the adoption of, of electric vehicles out to 2040 or 2050. They're predicting very low levels of penetration. Uh, and and Tony and I had a completely different opinion. And, and, and you know, in our view, you know, technology disruptions don't go in straight lines. They, they, they go in S-curves. They start slowly and then they accelerate and they go through an exponential phase until they reach saturation when they level off again. Um, and, and we came out of that and we, I mean, we hadn't met before, but we went for coffee and we were kind of just um, kind of flabbergasted about how, you know, the military and, uh, um, and government were, were taking decisions based on these kind of faulty forecasts, um, these simple systems forecasts that just kind of extrapolate current trends that don't really understand how disruptions work. And, and, and you know, Tony and I see disruptions coming across the economy. We think... Pretty much every sector of the economy is going to be disrupted over the next decade or two, driven by some extraordinary technological progress we're seeing. And it terrified us that we were taking decisions uh, at, at a government level. But it's the same for it's the same for investors, and it's the same for businesses, uh, and 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 in every other part of the society that are, that are based just on faulty data. And so we set up Rethink X to try and correct that. Uh, so we're set up as a not-for-profit, and our aim is really to provide better data to, to decision-makers across society to enable us to take better choices. You talk about disruptions, and uh, your latest report says we're on the cusp of the fastest, deepest, most consequential disruption of agriculture in history. We tend to think of disruptions as something that are not necessarily a good thing, but are these disruptions that we should welcome Potentially, yes. I mean, you know, there are good there are good sides to disruptions and bad sides. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of our capabilities, uh, you know, they're very good. There are extraordinary uh, efficiency gains that we'll see. Extraordinary benefits that will come from from vastly lower cost food, um, from from you know a huge reduction in the amount of land required to produce that food, uh, the amount of water, the amount of energy, and so on and so forth. 
but of course, there are bad sides as well. You know, the job losses, the 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 um, the industries that will be destroyed as we go through this, uh, and 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 that's really the challenge is 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 to try and seize the benefits of disruption and and mitigate the adverse consequences. Actually, I just need to stop you because I think we've done this the wrong way round. Perhaps you could just explain, and we will go into more detail, but. What is this disruption that you see coming when it comes to food and agriculture and the way food is going to be consumed in the future? Yeah, so, so I mean, we, you know, when we look at the food system, we, um, we, we, we look at the, 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 the developing technologies and, 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 and we um, analyse the cost curve, so how quickly some of these new technologies are, are um, improving. You know, we see the potential for a very profound disruption happening. I mean, one of the key technologies to, to understand here is a, a process we call um, precision fermentation, which is really the, the combination of precision biology, the, the, the ability to kind of um, control um, biology, to, pro, to pre-programmed biology combined with fermentation, um, which allows us essentially to, to, um, to hack microbes to produce almost any complex organic molecule that we want. So we can, we can, so that this is a, this is a technology that's been around for a few decades now. The first, um, the, 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 the first use for this technology was in producing insulin, human insulin. So we used to get insulin for, for, for diabetics uh, from the pancreases of, of pigs and cows. And it used to take about 50,000 animals to produce a kilogram of, of insulin. Um, but, uh, but scientists in the early 1980s worked out how to uh, essentially ferment it. And, and 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 what they produced was human insulin, uh, but the costs back then were extraordinary. They were it, it was about a um, billion dollars per kilo back in back in the early nineteen eighties. Um, you know, extraordinarily expensive, but we only needed very small quantities of it. Uh, and and very quickly that disrupted the animal insulin market. It was obviously a better product, uh, and over time the costs dropped dramatically. And 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 you know by about two thousand it was down to about a million dollars per kilo. And and today. Um, we're able to um, ferment proteins uh, for less than $100. And that cost curve is going to continue as we look forward um, down to a very low level. So, so, so that's key to understand, first of all, is the, um, is the cost of this. So you know, as the cost drops, it becomes competitive in all sorts of new markets. We see um, human collagen, for instance, being used in cosmetics already. It's beginning to disrupt that market. We see materials, spider silk, for instance, being used in, 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 in clothing and in other materials. Uh, and, and, and before too long, uh, we'll see the food market disrupted. I mean, in certain instances, it's already been disrupted. We have the um, rennet um, used to produce cheese has been largely replaced by a, um, a, a fermented version. Uh, that now um, appears in about eighty percent of the cheese produced worldwide. So, so, so you know, it's not a new technology. It's one we're used to consuming already. Uh, and, and and the reason it's going to disrupt the market is that it's going to be cheaper than producing food from animals, but it's also going to be better on pretty much every parameter. Could you expand on that? So, why is this new model going to be so much better? And what's wrong with the current model of food production? Yeah, sure. So, so you know, what we do in our current model of, of food production. Is, is to grow the whole macroorganism, but, you know, the plant or the animal. Uh, and then we break it down into the things we need. And, you know, some of those things are relatively easily accessible, like, like a steak or a chunk of meat. Um, but some of them are, you know, much less accessible, like, like insulin or collagen or, or um, you know, whey protein. They have to go through, a, you know, a, 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 a number of different kind of processes to get to them. So, um, 
you know, those single molecules uh, are, are essentially the, 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 the most expensive to get to. I mean, they're essentially byproducts because we grow the, the animal largely for the meat or you know, whatever it is we're growing the plant for. But it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a model that just has huge inefficiencies built into it. The new model turns out on its head. So it's no longer a breakdown model. It's, a, it's what we call a build-up model. So you start with a single molecule and you build it up into whatever the product um, or the food that you're that, that you're wanting, and 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 so it's a far more efficient process. You don't you're not you're not growing anything you don't want to use, and often you, you you're producing just the active ingredient that you want rather than even a whole molecule. So it's um you know it's it's vastly more efficient. Ultimately, it will be vastly lower cost than than our current methodology, and that's really the key to understanding this. It, 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 it's you know animal agriculture just can't compete with it. It's just just has an inherent inefficiency in it uh, that that we can't change. So what then happens to the way of farming we've relied on for as long as we can remember? What happens to the land and the people who who, who farm on it? Well, that's a challenge. And, 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 and that's really why we write these reports is, 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 is to act almost as a, 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 an early warning system in some way so we can begin to plan for these. But the um, I mean, the, you know, the. I think the challenge here is to see what's happening, to see to see you know how profoundly farming can be disrupted. And we think first of all, the first thing to go will be industrial agriculture, animal agriculture, so the farming of animals, because it's just hugely inefficient. It just can't compete. Animal farming, in some ways, is is limited in terms of its speed of development by by evolution. Um, but today we can kind of produce you know any complex molecule we want, so we can produce proteins of almost any attribute that we want, rather than the kind of narrow varieties that we've produced today. Um, and so as as you know parts of the cow begin to get replaced, we'll replace the collagen and maybe some of the whey protein and and, and various other parts. Um, you know the huge number of, of of uses that a cow or a pig goes to. As we begin to replace those, um, you know the the, the meat. The, 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 which is essentially the easiest to to produce, the, the easiest part of the cow to access, uh, well, you know, that will go into a kind of um, a, a, an upwards price spiral, become increasingly expensive as as as, as all the extra, all the all the parts of the cow that we you know use today uh, begin to go to waste. Uh, we're producing a cow just for the meat, and so we'll see an upward price spiral, uh, and so that's going to kill the industry, we think, relatively quickly. And we think the same is true in the in 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 the milk industry. Um, and so, you know, what will happen is that, um, you know, agri- animal agriculture will go into a sort of a, a death spiral of reversing economies of scale, increasing cost. You know, whilst we see a kind of virtuous cycle for these new proteins of, of, of um, decreasing cost and increasing demand. And over time, we expect, you know, the social license to move from, from animals towards these new novel proteins. I mean, people are skeptical of them now, but over time, they'll come to, to understand them and appreciate them and, 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 and eat them in increasing quantities. Um, and so, you know, the impacts of that across, across pretty much every aspect of society are profound. They have huge consequences for our health, huge consequences for energy use, huge consequences for water, for land um, for soil depletion, for land use. I mean, land use is fascinating. I mean, we, we, we need a fraction of the land, you know, one somewhere between one and five percent of the land that we need now to produce all the protein we currently produce from cows. Um, and so there are all kinds of things that we could do with that land. I mean, we could choose to reforest it, um, and doing so, um, you know, we did the we did the numbers on this. And and if we were to you know optimize, say, for carbon sequestration or greenhouse gas sequestration. You know, we could essentially offset all U.S. emissions from every other source 
uh, within a decade or so. And that's extraordinary, extraordinary opportunity. And I mean, there's a cost to that, of course, so we might not choose to do that. But in terms of jobs as well, um, you know, the jobs created in reforested will be in, you know, in the same locations as those lost when, 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 when um, industrial agriculture um, essentially goes bankrupt and requiring similar skill sets. Now, that's not often the case in disruption. Often when an industry is disrupted, the jobs lost uh, are in very different locations to the jobs created and they require very different skills. So, um, you, you know, we're hopeful that if we take the right choices, we can manage our way through this disruption. It's all, it all sounds so so extraordinary, as you can imagine, to people who haven't thought this way and just assume really that farming is something that's here to stay. When we think of these new proteins, and you've mentioned the positive effects on the environment that getting rid of industrial farming and generally farming would have, but what about the making of the proteins themselves? Is How does that affect biodiversity? Where do the raw materials come from? from does that have a positive effect on the environment are there um, negative impacts that you could foresee so i mean there will be you know you know undoubtedly health implications um on 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 human health you know compared to livestock farming we just don't know the impact i mean certainly livestock or, or meat consumption is not particularly healthy for us um and we would expect you know the the new forms of protein to, to be healthier but we, we 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 you know we need to be careful there needs to be a precautionary principle there um, in terms of the raw materials required, they're, they're far less. You need essentially um, some kind of feedstock, some carbohydrates or some, some sugar uh, to uh, essentially fire the bioreactors. And, and that's it, really. You need a small amount of water, obviously, as well. Uh, and, and these are controlled um, processes. So they're within kind of bioreactors so, or, or you know, fermentation tanks. So they don't, there's, there's little risk. Um, of, of you know genetic material or anything like that you know, seeping into the um, the environment. It's somewhat different, for instance, to, to GM crops um, in, in 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 that respect. So um, you know, in terms of land use, that's why there's a fraction of the land use. You know, we'll grow you know sugars with which to feed these reactions. But beyond that, you know, we don't need much else. I think it's quite hard for people listening to imagine that we really will be able to just do away with systems like farming that we have relied on for such a long time and we're starting to talk so much more about things like regenerative farming and making farming more sustainable in your prediction the future that you envisage does all of that just go i mean the truth is you know we, we just don't know longer term i think you know if you have food by 2035 say 15 years hence that is say a fifth of the cost of food produced from animals then we would expect a large part of the market to move over to that, I, I, I think you know if, it, if you can't tell the difference. And I mean, let me give you an example of, of one of these products that we see in the market now. Um, I mean, the Impossible Burger, for instance, is 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 you know having huge success in the US, um, and it's you know it's now in every Burger King, um, and and that is produced um, at least one of the ingredients into that, a, a product called Heme, which gives it its meaty flavor, is produced through precision fermentation. Uh, but that represents about 2% of the burger today. Uh, and it, it allows a, a, essentially a, a, a burger that's made largely from plant material um, to kind of taste, feel, smell, and even cook, uh, you know, like a burger from a cow. Um, over time, what we'll see as the costs come down further, we'll see the pea protein that they, they put into that burger, and we'll see the coconut oil and so on, also replaced by um, precision fermented products. So you'll go from 2% to 50% to 80%. You know, ultimately, maybe to 100% of that product, you know, being produced through these through these not novel methods. So I think people, 
um, you know, over time we'll get we'll get accustomed to this. And I think, you know, the cost is is, well, we, you know, in, in in terms of the modeling we do, we look at you know the cost and the capabilities of of, of technologies as a key driver of disruption. And we see, you know, a dramatic decrease in costs, and we see an increase in capabilities, a vast increase in capabilities. So over time, the Impossible Burgers on on sort of V two technology terms. Um, and, and and over time, as we go through V3, V4, you know, V20, it's going to get better and better and better. And it's going to get better at an exponential rate. And, you know, a cow burger just can't compete with that. It, it's, you know, as I said earlier, it's limited by the constraints of evolution, essentially. So um, I have no doubt that, that, that um, animal products will be um, outcompeted. Now, of course, you know, people love steak or people love, you know, any other kind of animal product they might have. Um, but um, you know, and there might well be a market for that if we, you know, if, 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 if it's still allowed. But it's going to be a relatively small market, given that it's going to be so much more expensive. So if you want to eat a, a steak, you know, you might be paying, you know, fifty dollars or so for, you know, for that steak. Um, you know, rather than the ten or even twenty dollars that you pay for it now, it's going to be it's going to be more expensive. Um, you know, as that industry loses the economies of scale and so on, we enter that price spiral that I spoke about l- later. So. Um, it's a, you know, it's a disruption that we think is, 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 is inevitable. How far it goes, I don't think it's a total disruption. I mean, you know, disruptions never are. There's always some form of legacy market, but we don't expect it to be very big. What is quite hard to grapple with is the idea that people really will be able to make such grand and whole scale changes or that they'll want to. And we're talking about very small timeframes. I mean, 2030 and 2035 is when you say these proteins will be five times and 10 times cheaper, respectively. It's hard to imagine people making such significant changes to lifestyles in that time. Vegetarianism and veganism are, of course, really on the rise and becoming much more popular, but there's still a great majority of people who eat meat, who want to eat meat, and feel that that's something that should be preserved. It's the feeling of the majority of people we've spoken to on this podcast, many of whom work in farming and really want to preserve those traditions. It's hard to imagine them leaving that behind. But you feel that people really will be prepared to move forward in this way? Or is it forced entirely by economics, you think? Well, well, so that's it. And I think, um, you know, we, we look at all kinds of disruption. And, and you know, I mean, you know, one of the, you know, one of my favorite disruptions that we look at is, is you know, the shift from, from horses and carriages to, to cars about 100 years ago. And, you know, in the US, um, you know, cars, I think in 1905, accounted for about two and a half percent of vehicles on the road. By uh, 1925, just 20 years later, then there were over 95% of vehicles. So 20 years to completely displace that market. And back then, people were saying, "Oh, we love our horses. We'll, you know, we'll never drive cars, and and and, and you know, they're too expensive. They they don't work well enough, and so on and so forth." Um, and and you know, sure enough, they got a lot cheaper. They got a lot better. And 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 um, you know, people um, shifted in droves. Um, and and you know that's what happens now. Food obviously is much more personal and and, and much harder. But I, th- I think we're looking at this from two different angles. I think you know when you talk about veganism or you talk about you know organic or you know regenerative farming, you're coming at it from the angle that we have a problem to solve. You know climate change or animal welfare or soil depletion or whatever the the problem is. And you're 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 asking the question. You know how do we solve that? And that requires. Um, 
you know, some kind of intervention that forces people to change behavior or some kind of regulatory um, change that, that either bans certain behavior or taxes or um, in, in, in some other way incentivizes people to, to change behavior. Now, you know, regulatory change and, and behavior change are, I mean, they're useful tools, but they're hugely difficult. Um, you know, market forces are far more powerful. Every disruption in history, pretty much, um, bar a few, have been driven by market forces, by new technologies that are essentially cheaper and better than the old technologies. Now, when the market is a tailwind, when the market's behind you and those um, those forces are in your favor, uh, disruptions happen very quickly. You know, when the market's not in your favor, disruptions happen very slowly. So I think we've got a massive uphill battle. If, 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 you know, if we think about solving climate change through moving to regenerative agriculture or, or asking people to become vegans, I think we have a massive uphill battle. I think it's just an incredibly difficult thing to do. They're all hugely worthy ambitions and, 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 and you know, well worth trying. But um, you know, for me, technology offers a, a, a far more effective and a far more immediate solution that actually allows people to eat for less, to eat food that uh, is, is 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 better on pretty much every um, <clears throat> pretty much every parameter, and um, and you know allows us to um, to to, 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 to um, you know economically save a huge amount of money. I I just I, I just don't see how it happens otherwise. So it's interesting you mentioned market forces and, and regulations. So my final question is, who does this disrupting in your mind? So is this going to be driven by business, I presume, science and business in combination, or, or governments as well behind these sorts of ideas? So it's probably going to be a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, what we're seeing is, is you know, fairly large sums of money being invested in these technologies, and we'll see the market for them begin to expand over time and that and that'll cause you know this cycle of, of decreasing costs and increasing economies of scale and so on as we um you know as we go through time and 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 you know people become more aware of these products and they'll try them and you know this is this is you know this, this is a, a disruption that can happen slowly it can happen you know each of us individually can go along our own escrow we can try a product i mean i've had a an impossible burger i thought it was fantastic uh, and as i said it's just an early version of that um, and, and over time, we might eat more and more of these products. And, and, and so, you know, it's not like we have to change in one day and, and, and suddenly move over. Um, and, and as governments see the opportunity there and see the, um, um, you know, the benefits that come with, you know, technological leadership of developing the industries that are going to take over an industry, uh, we, you know, we expect them to become supportive and ad- adapt the frameworks, perhaps remove some of the subsidies from the current system and, and begin to support these new industries in certain ways. Um, and then over time, you know, we'd expect the social license to, to, to move over. I mean, industrial animal agriculture is a, is a pretty ugly business in many ways. Um, but we haven't had a viable alternative, at least not a viable alternative that is, um, you know, as cheap and as secure as 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 these new forms of technology, but or these new forms of product, these novel proteins. So, you know, as as that happens, we'd expect um, um, both government support and 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 um, and um, you know public public opinion to begin to support these technologies. Uh, and and that that can happen much quicker than people expect. But the biggest backlash will, of course, come from the farmers. For sure, I know I absolutely agree with you, and, and and that's what we were talking about with the with you know alternate uses for land that's freed up. And I think, you know, that 
you know, we see this in every disruption we, 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 we write about. And, the, you know, one of the major reasons we set out our think tank was, you know, was so that we understood and began to foresee some of these disruptions coming along. I mean, what we tend to do um, and what we've done historically is just stumble into disruptions. We don't see the speed at which they can come. You know, these linear extrapolations we, we tend to produce you know, blind us to, 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 to the speed and the impact of disruption. And so we stumble into disruption and kind of retrospectively clear up the mess, you know, the jobs that are lost, the industries, the livelihoods that are destroyed. Um, and, 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 you know, that's not good enough. We have the tools available to us. We can understand what's going on there. And so what we're trying to, um, what, what we're trying to do is help you know, governments and, and others, other decision makers, you know, see this destruction that's coming, see these livelihoods that will be lost and, 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 and work out what we can do to mitigate the adverse consequences of that. But, um, you know, propping up industries, um, um, you know, makes little economic sense. I mean, we're far better to retrain or, 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 um, or, 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 or to find other uh, livelihoods for the people who are disrupted here. But, um, you know, keeping industrial agriculture alive for, for the jobs, I think, is the wrong approach. I think it's much better to find, you know, better and alternate jobs for those people affected by it. Well, it's absolutely fascinating and certainly very eye-opening talking to you and trying to imagine these very near futures that seem like they would be a long way away. And we'll all be off now to try an impossible burger. But having said that, I think they're only in the US, aren't they? Impossible at the moment, I think, is only in the US. It might be in, somewhere in Asia, and you know they're in you know they're in every Burger King now. They're in they're in supermarkets as well. Um, but there are more. There are plenty more. Um, you, you know, alternate pr- proteins that we're you know we're going to see soon. And um, I mean, there's been extraordinary development. And actually, you know, we've been surprised since we published the report uh, how quickly costs have dropped. They're already well below the the cost curve that we drew in the report. Um, we've seen extraordinary jumps ahead. James, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. But we'll have to ask you back on as this develops. It's obviously developing very quickly and perhaps you'll come back to tell us more progress um, as and when on our next series. Huh. No, I'd love to. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Take care.